0: Yeah, just so, before
1: we begin here, John, you've got rid of the cock off the wall, yeah? The Retana's yeah. cock. Good.
0: Yeah, so we had a. Um, yeah, we just had a funding meeting with a community funding project or the projects
1: that we're thinking about. Yeah, I was on the <laughs> meeting via Zoom link, and uh, yeah, all I could see in the corner of my screen was the Ratana's cock <laughs> during the whole meeting. <laughs> How was your session, Nick? My session was great. Yeah, yeah. So i just done three weeks in Rockfield with Nada Surf, co-producing the new album with Surian and Lawton, mainly a tour manager in front of house for lots of amazing bands and artists over the years. We've known each other for well, since the Ash days back in 90, whenever that was, 94, 95. So it was great to work with him and do another album. Nada Surf's last album anyway. So yeah, well, went to Rockfield for three weeks, had a great session. It was um, cold back there. uh, cost a living (laughs) yeah no it's just cold in general but uh yeah we had a great time and we've nearly finished it we're going to do a few more days in leaders where you are right now just to uh tie in a few bits that they've been working on in their own studio since we left yeah it will be on to mixing off to the states to get someone to mix it and it'll be out in all good record stores near you later this year so we'll go and buy it and go and see them live so for, you know, for fans of kind of teenage fan club and bands like that, then yeah, I'd recommend going to check out Nada Surf. No, really good. And another great batch of songs. There's three or four big, big singles on this album as well. Um, pretty straightforward. We have a kind of a routine where kind of Ian is kind of doing all the kind of logistics and organization and kind of rounding up the troops and making the session flow and kind of organizing what we're going to be doing on what days. And I'm kind of just concentrating on the the engineering and the, the music side of it and, um, Doing all the editing and kind of keeping that going, so yeah, I'm first in, last out. And Ian's kind of it works really well. He's known the band for years, so he, you know, he can kind of keep the session flowing that way. As long as he's got, as long as he's got his pasty there for lunch and uh, <laughs> and his beer there in the evening, oh, he's I a happy, happy a whole man.
0: Episode. <laughs> She'd do a whole episode just on studio food yeah especially like, like, pasties pot noodles anything yellow based yeah fruit occasionally
1: yeah and sometimes we're two weeks into a session and we go we haven't drunk any water john for two weeks <laughs> just coffee and beer for two weeks but yeah you've got to remember to keep your water up was in the it, studio
0: was it on dexter's session where like i think our diet was a whole chicken yeah and some falafels
1: yeah every day chicken <laughs> falafels I think we might have had some cashews in there as well. Yeah. Bands try and be helpful. I'm sorry, healthy. uh,
0: (laughs) I think think that was our choice, wasn't it? Yeah. I think we thought that was healthy.
1: Yeah, but bands try and be healthy. And then uh, Penfold arrives with all the goodies from the co-op. Uh, the crisps of death and things like that and it's impossible when they're sat there not to not to touch them especially when it gets late and you're tired and you you know you start yeah. to flag a bit you think oh yeah i'll just have one of those cookies or one of those bags of crisps that was, that was one of the greatest
0: moves by co-op wasn't it just in terms of moving from the town center just to be in the first shop
1: yeah to rock to rockford so you just have mono. to nip yeah nip to nip to the co-op pay through the roof for everything but they do do fresh uh, fresh croissants in the morning John Ooh. and fresh uh, yeah the old white chocolate and cranberry cookies oh cookies yeah, yeah.
0: what i was thinking about today was we talked a little bit about you know, like um, careers I suppose with bands yeah. and like musicians and like songwriting careers because we've talked about this topic quite often and it was, it, i suppose it came up a little bit today in the funding meeting was around about assistance yeah really i suppose like what makes a good assistant what would you say what advice would you give to people who might be the starts of their career where would they start with being like how would they start by getting into like the role of assistant or going down that path
1: i mean it's so tough because at the beginning you're obviously expected to come into an environment you're not used to to being in really get paid nothing or maybe some expenses or next to nothing and work long hours but it's still the best way into the industry to work with engineers and producers and in big studios get your foot through that door because these places and these people get so many applications that it's really difficult to get in and of course everybody's got a degree now so how do you differentiate between the ones who've got a degree when you're going to employ someone and ones who's going to be good at the jobs. And that's usually the ones that have gone and done an internship or done some work experience or shadowed an engineer or producer and can have that hands-on experience. You're much more likely to pick that person if they've done three months with say a producer we know, you know, we know that that producer wouldn't put up with them in the studio if they were an idiot. So if they've done that, then they're they're probably suited to the job and their studio etiquette will be good and all things like that. So you're more likely to take them on as an assistant. But at the beginning, it's so hard. I mean, at the moment, we've just taken young lad on, Reese and he's he's done really well. So he has no kind of training or experience or you know, no degree, hasn't done a, a technical course or production course or anything. But he he was always on time. He was always available. He stayed start to finish, he did as much as he could, he got on with everybody, really fitted in. And that counted for much more than whether he had a degree. Yes, it would have been nice for, for him to have a go on pro tours and kind of, you know, maybe do some of the editing and things like that. But but generally all the other things made up for that. And I'd have to show him everything, like even the basics about setting up microphones and things like that. But that was fine because he he found his role. He was really useful to the band. The bass player wanted to go to the shops every day to get the, the food because he was cooking for everybody. There was lots of people flying in. So there was airport trips. There was picking people up from the station, things like that. And he was brilliant at doing all that. And he was always available, really enthusiastic. And he basically got on with everybody. Now there's others who've come in recently and they've got, They're doing a course, they're doing a degree, they've had training, they know a lot more. So you ask them to put a mic up, no problem. They'll go in and they'll put a mic up. You ask them to go and set the guitar rigs up, they'll go in and do that, no problem. You ask them to do some basic edits on Pro Tools, they can do that, no problem. But counteract that with the fact that they turn up late or halfway through the afternoon, they go, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm going this afternoon, which is fine. If they're not being paid, they're free to come and go as and when they want to the thing is that it's really difficult to organize if they've told you they're going to be there and all of a sudden the last minute they tell you they're not going to be there and you've organized for something that's going to be happening maybe you've got a a, an orchestra coming in or a choir coming in you need that extra pair of hands and all of a sudden they throw Oh, i'm going to go that organizational thing and then not really being part of the session because they miss out on so much so Mm -hmm. they miss out on the night things that go on that kind of um the camaraderie and the kind of social life that happens when you finish if they're only there for those few fun hours bits. yeah the fun bits um so you get someone then who's got much more experience and much more technical knowledge yet they don't quite fit in because they're not they, you know there's always an excuse they're always late they're always got can't ask, sorry i can't make tomorrow because this or can't make tomorrow and it's like right well okay i understand you, you know you're only being paid a low amount of money but how else are you can learn as you're there all the time and see an album through from start to finish and, and to know if you're really going to love it. And, um, so that's kind of how we can find out who really wants to do it and who doesn't, so the technical ability at the beginning is, is useful, but it's not the be all and end all. I've taken people on the same thing. Like say, so right. Okay. Session
0: starting at 10, if we can get in at nine o'clock just before. So just have a bit of time to set up the mics and everything. That'd be great. And then they kind of rock up at, at half 10, 11 o'clock. I remember I did one session in the hall and it like it involves like taking like a hundred foot multi-call around the rooms into the back and there's quite a lot of set packed down so i'm normally in quite early to do that so like if we can get in for about nine o'clock that'd be great and um, the session goes on for quite a bit and there's like come to pack down so i've got to lift now i've got to go it's like
1: yeah great and you don't you know on the <laughs> one hand they're not really being paid so they are kind of free to come and go it's those setups and pack downs where they're really going to learn and they're really going to learn the amount of work and effort that's that it's needed and all the work that goes on around the session before and afterwards. And also you've kind of, if you'd have known they weren't going to be there for the pack down, you'd have got someone else who did want to be there for the pack down, but you have no chance to organize that then because they throw it on you at the last minute. So it's getting a balance. You know, we've been fortunate to have some, some great assistants over the years, years, you know, but you can't keep them forever and you don't want to keep them forever. The point is they come with you for a year, 18 months, learn the ropes, get the experience and then move on to become engineers or producers or get full-time jobs at studios, or they've gained all that knowledge to, to run their own studios and things like that. You know, and we've had um, obviously Chris Penfold, who was great, always got on with people, was always there on time, always stayed late at night, um, but that extra effort. And I think it fast tracked him on to becoming a good engineer and producer and being able to run his sessions at his own studio better. So these kind of recent studios and say Reese has and just joined us, but he's already doing really well. I think he learned so much in that three weeks on that session that he, he would have taken him months and months to learn that.
0: I, was, I suppose I was in a weird position. I self-taught and recorded
1: myself. So I was always kind of making things
0: up as I was going along and watching producers before working with you. And I remember like when you go on like a residential session where you're in for two, three weeks. It's not like, you know, when you're teaching or something, you might get two hours, three hours on a lesson. Um, it's not really the same. No. Cause you might be right, let's go mic up a drum kit. Yeah. And you just about got the mics up, you might have got a sound and it's time to pack it all down and be yeah. like someone else yeah. has come into the room. So you don't really get that time. You get to you get to like put the studios out and do things yourself. But because you're not watching like people who are doing this day in, day out, then you won't be learning as quickly. And, like, the things that you learn from, like, you know, sitting in with yourself or, like, Gil Norton, Greg Haver. The, the first session I think I worked with um, in Hanksville Rockfield was for Greg. And it was doing strings from Chensky. And just learning, like, Decatree set up and, like, um, how they approached that. It just, you know, yeah. became really yeah. useful and really helpful. Because when it came to, like, public service broadcasting, then we had, and it was basically a day of strings, a day of um, brass, and then we had the choir. Just having that set up going, okay,
1: cool. I can do that. I know how to do that. You've been there in an under pressure situation in a studio that costs a lot of money with players that cost a lot of money. You've got to get it, get in there, get it done. It's got to be well recorded and it's got to be done. So you've had that experience and yeah, it's hard to have that experience in a classroom because when you're doing 14, 15, 16 hour days for three weeks, All these eventualities that arise, like there's a problem with the desk, or someone's not, you know, is ill, or there's a problem with this track, or something's happened, or you want to got to change something, or the drum sounds not right, so you want to move the drums. These things don't arise in a a classroom scenario. So when you're part of that session for that long, all these different situations and all the things that arise, and there's all the fun parts too. That you know, and you really learn what happens on a session and the more sessions you do and work with producers, you see how they deal with different artists and different people and when to do certain things and when not to do certain things and how you get yourself out of this situation or how you get to create the sounds that are in, in people's minds and things like that. So it's brilliant. And to say Reese on this new session, we will have him on actually talking about this at some point and how he's getting on and what um, ideas for the future are because he's someone who's just joined us, you know, and he's literally just done the one session and, um, He's coming back to do another couple of me week after next. Yeah. And he's doing well. He's already got his nickname. So, you know, once, once you start getting your nickname, it's <laughs> an important it part. Is, really, you know, it? you're in there and if you don't get a nickname, then, uh, then you're not going to be there long. So yeah, he's, uh, he's spoons from now on. So he was always coming in with his little teaspoon, asking everybody what, uh, what they wanted. And, um, also his name's Reese and that became Reese with Reese with spoons and that became Weatherspoons, <laughs> and that became spoons. And he always had his little tea. So he's now spoons. Um, Chris Chris oh, Ramsey brilliant. was Penfold just because Thunder said, well, he, he can't come in the Penfold. room. You know, he's he's obviously going to stay because he's brilliant. So he can't come in if he had not got a nickname. Everyone has to have a nickname. Danny just went Penfold and he's so he's Penfold uh, from Danger Mouse for those old enough to remember Danger Mouse. And yeah, we've had some great nicknames. Candles, obviously, was another good one. Well, but, but, yeah, but when your name is Joe Malone. Yeah, Joe Malone makes candles, so he's Candles. Josh Wan, Another good one because it's similar to Gokwan. so he's Joshwan. Yeah, looks good naked. Yeah, so the, you know if the, you become part of the session, part of the the feel of the thing, and and you get used to how much work and effort goes in after three weeks, all them hours, how tired everyone starts to get, and how you how you have to keep that energy going to the end, and how much work and effort really goes into making an album, especially nowadays in a short space of time. Is it beneficial though? Like, because he hasn't had the experience. Is that almost better, or is a there... In some respects, it is because he has no preconceptions that he's a producer already. He's an engineer already, and he's literally just there taking advice. Like, what do I do? And you know, and you just tell him the usual things, the studio etiquette. Don't don't comment on this, and you don't have you know, don't don't start saying this in the middle of when someone's trying to work stuff out because you don't know what they've already tried. And but yeah. obviously, if someone asks you, then you give your opinions, and um, so it's very raw. I mean, yeah, it is frustrating when you think. I would like him to just be able to go and set that up for me while I'm doing this, but I need to go and show him how to do it. I can't just expect him to know it because he doesn't. So there's those frustrating elements, but that's also rewarding when you show someone how to do that and they only need to be shown once. And the next time they're like confident, I'll go in, I'll do that. I'll sort that out and you go and check it. And it's done because obviously they've taken that in, they're listening, Mm. they're concentrating, you know, it's important to, come and do whole sessions and just see the whole process start to finish and you know mm. get to learn especially with a like band like Nada surf when they all live in different places around the world so the logistics of getting them all to the studio and flying them in and their flights and their hotels and you know the daily briefings that everyone has and all things like that so you're getting to see all these other aspects of a working session and you're in somewhere like Rockfield. So, you know, you come with us, you learn Rockfield inside out because you keep coming there with us on sessions. And then the opportunities arise where Rockfield haven't got an assistant for a session. They know that you've been working in there dozens of times with us. So why not get you in? And then you start yeah. getting paid as an assistant in studios like that, or whether we go to Red Kite or wherever we go, or whether they come on as engineers and assistants then on um, bigger sessions when there's budgets and they start earning money then. But the only way to, to do that is to really know the studio inside out because to make a good assistant, when a producer new producer comes in, they just expect the assistant to know the studio. They, you're the person they're going to yeah. go to to tell them how everything operates and when there's faults, why is this happening? You need to know. Yeah, and how do you work around yeah, that so quickly? Yeah, so you can't go on sessions like that until you know all those things. So in the meantime, the only way to learn that is to come on sessions with like me and me and you. And learn all the quirks of a studio. Learn how to fault find. Learn how to keep a session going if something starts to go wrong. And you can't, you can't just, you know, you need to be in a room on a session when all those things arise, and then take note of, you know, oh, write it down. That happened, and then we had to do this. Um, yeah. But yeah, just be a sponge and take it all in. Yeah, I've been. For- I mean, we've been fortunate. We've had some stinkers. I have to say, <laughs> you know, this. Um, well, I've had a couple that have maybe lasted an hour. <laughs> you know? an hour yeah, it was two hours the one at leaders farm was like two hours maybe there's been a couple who we got in at rockfield and they they just didn't last there's some that didn't last any time because they didn't turn up and then they never you know they never <laughs> were never seen again <laughs> but you know they come and go so we have to go through some and for whatever reason some don't just don't fit in or they you know it's not quite right and we try we always try and give opportunities to people and have a few come in and go at the same time you know but um you always find a good one, then you like to hang on to them, but the plan is not to have them working for you for nothing for forever. The plan is that they come on board, then they become an engineer and uh, an assistant engineer and start getting paid, and then hopefully they go on and get a job in the industry, and then we move on to the next one. so we're always training new people up. But yeah, we've had some, some you know, candles was a great. Great assistant, great person to have in the studio. When you're feeling down, you're a bit tired, all you needed to do was see candles in the morning. You're already, you're already, free, you know, set you off laughing, you're ready for the day. And then you've got like someone. Like Josh, who's just super, super talented, a great producer and engineer, and you could tell that from the beginning. Made a great assistant because he could get on with everybody, but technically he knew everything. You knew he'd just go on to do great things as well.
0: Because Josh, if I remember right, he's saying I remember. I think this came up on the Rockfield session. Did he ring Leaders Farm? Did he? Because you spoke to yeah. him over the phone, did?
1: You yeah. Y- yeah, I think I'm. I'm not. I can't quite remember. It was about Leaders Farm, and then he came in. I think the first session he came in on. I was just coming back from Leaders Farm was possibly the union session with Luke Morley. I think it was that one. And his first one, he came in, which was at Rockfield. I think I spoke to him while I was at Leaders Farm. But you just knew he was, you know, he was great to have around a great assistant. But you knew he was going to go on and become a great producer and engineer. Now he's running his own studios. He's worked in lots of great studios. Yeah, he's really experienced now. Yeah, and going on about good, good assistants, you know, we were lucky at at leader's farm i ended up with three assistants because we had we obviously had the main studio there and then we were so busy we built studio two to accommodate kind of more budget sessions and local bands we had two studios which were pretty much booked all the time and that so there became a need for three assistants because i've been in a position before back in back in the 90s when rockfield only had two assistants and both studios were fully booked all the time and me and a guy called Paul Reed, we just had to work every day. He was mainly in the quadrangle and I was in the coach house. And because the studios were booked all the time, there's only two assistants. We were just <laughs> all the time we were there. And I think when it got to Christmas and I went to um, get my Christmas wages off Anne and she said, oh, here's your here's your um, sheet for the year. And she went, oh, you've been slacking this year, Nick. You've had uh, You've had four days off this year. it was it was four days um i mean i was only about 18 at the time so you could you could deal with that but those are long days they're seven days a week do you find you know like on the long sessions do
0: you find that um when you stop that's when your body catches up and it almost crashes so you have you
1: you slack off over over christmas felt absolutely terrible when you're in the studio, you just keep going, don't you? And if you feel rough a few days, you just keep going. The one thing that filled me with dread on those sessions is you might have done a six week album session and you know what it's like the last night probably goes on till four, five in the morning, cause it's all on tape. So, you, you know, yeah. you've got to get everything bounced onto the tapes, whether you're recording the chambers in and the echo plates and things like that, backing up the tapes, if you're making tape yeah. copies, it goes on five, six in the morning. You've got to do recalls of all the settings when I mean, it was all analog. And yeah. then you've got to pack the studio down because every band has a blank canvas when they come in. So you've just done six weeks with all these really long hours. You've packed the studio down. It's immaculate. The cleaners are coming in to Hoover at 9am and you're taking the tray of plates and cups back up to the bungalow and the van for the next band is arriving. And you haven't been to bed. You've, got, you've finished a six-week session and as you're taking the dirty cups up, the band is arriving for the next session, which could be a two, three, four, five, six week session. And there's no time in between the two. And that, the feeling of that, your heart sinking going, I've not been to bed. And now I've got to set up a whole band with a whole new load of people that I don't know, different producer, different engineer. And it's that kind of thing where you just take a deep breath, put on a big kind of smile, and I have to have energy because you don't want a, the band to turn up and go, hey, mate, how you doing? Yeah, You're hey. Like, well, to be honest with you, I'm really fucked. <laughs> you know, really can't be bothered with this today. It doesn't work. They don't doesn't, want you want don't that. want that. You know, like, they want the same down, enthusiasm, like, oh. the same kind of energy, the same, you know, they're excited. They're about to start an album. They're about to start their journey of recording at Rockfield. And um, so, yeah, that was tough back then when it was back to back and you wouldn't go to bed. And you knew there was no time to recover. You were just going to be pretty much tired for the next session. But you know, we were young and there was
0: no, and that's why you end up having three in um, leaders farm.
1: Yeah. So I was lucky, lucky enough at leaders farm to have the um, three great assistants. I was just telling you about ha only having two at Rockfield when his, both studios were fully booked, the same happened at leaders and uh, we had the two studios fully booked. So we needed three assistants cause I'd been in that situation before and was like, you can't have just two assistants with two studios running all the time so we had three we went f- through quite a few like people were putting up an advert and there was like 197 applications in 24 hours for the job whittled that down to about 14 that i actually gave phone interviews to and then i think about eight came for interviews so most of those came and went weren't suitable for whatever reason some were nightmares there was a few that came in lasted a few weeks but just I don't know, the initiative wasn't there. It was just, you know, you, you just little there's just little things that start to bug you when you're running run a business. Like, you know, if a TV's been moved out of the room, one of the rooms by a band, then you say to the assistant, Can you take the the T V and put it back? And then you you go into that room later and there's a TV just in the middle of a floor in a bedroom and you have to go and get them and go, Do you think that's where the T V goes? You know, and uh you shouldn't really have to explain those things. And they seem quite quite trivial, but when they're kind of all day, every day, these things, you're like this. This guy can't just can't think for themselves. They can't. Uh. The thing to do is to put the TV back where it should go, plug it in, connect it, make sure it's working, and then then leave it. And that it's the systems that do that that you know have got something about them. So yeah, we were lucky in the end. We had three, two local guys. Owen Morgan who's a fantastic musician from Norwich, wonderful Alex, who was from just around the corner from the studio, Alex Edmonds. And we had uh, Dougal, or um, Dougal Watt, or Braveheart, as we called him. Uh, mad Scotsman, we're mad here, like drinking whiskey. So the other two were local and he he came from afar. So his position was a living position. So he got to live in, in the studios rent-free and kind of supplied his expenses his food and then we just put them on retainers because it's difficult and you know you don't want to not pay someone but you can't really afford to have them all on the payroll every day because there's just not enough money in the sessions in the studio to do that so we put them on retainers and that meant they could go off and do other things so owen could do his gigs because he was great jazz musician had lots of jazz gigs they could do live. alex was doing live sound or a few production things at home with two studios and three assistants there's always someone can have a, a, a day off or a night off so someone can go let i've got a gig or so and so so can you do that one in between them it just worked so someone could have the time off to go and earn extra money doing other things and that would bump their money up and obviously when the en- engineering sessions came in they would get paid as engineers and those three they were just really the heart and spirit of that studio you know they were they were brilliant they they kind of helped us elevate it to a great studio and stayed with us for a long time and I, I, when i left it was quite emotional leaving and leaving those three because if i could have taken them with me and yeah. done it again i'd have taken them them with me because they all just worked so hard we we're all really good engineers got on with everybody i mean you know had some great nights mainly drinking nights with Dougal. um some brilliant fun with them all you know Everybody who worked with them loved, loved them. And because we had the smaller studio there, they could engineer bands, which was fast tracking their engineering experience because they could go into the small studio with a local band that kind of pressures off really. And around those three, we would have interns or work experience people. And that was a little bit hit and miss, you know. Sometimes it's just common sense. You know, you say to someone, right, that's, that, that fridge there is the band stuff and that fridge is the house stuff. So help yourself to the stuff in that fridge, but don't touch anything in that fridge. And later on, Kate, Kate comes to the fridge and gives me a call. She says, come here a minute. And I go into the kitchen. And in the in this fridge, the band fridge, is like smashed glass everywhere. So there's glass in food. There's glass got in the trifle. There's glass got everywhere. And it's all there. We're like, what the hell's happened here? And then one of, <laughs> one of the work experience guys comes in. And he says, oh, yeah, I went to get a jug of water. And I dropped the jug of water in the fridge. And it went down and smashed. And it's gone everywhere. And he's like, did you not think to, like, tell someone or, or pick someone up this, like, f- this glass it th- he said, you said not to touch anything in, the, in that fridge. Cause it's the band fridge. And it's just moments like that. And was like, yeah, but not, not when you've smashed a massive jug, you know, we mean like, don't go eating all their food or drinking all their beer. <laughs> if you smash a massive jug or not, on everything, you have to come and tell us or clean it up. <laughs> so it's little things like that. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, we've had some, we've had some funny moments. I mean, uh, an assistant called Dog Tanyan, and uh, <laughs> he was brilliant. So, so yeah, he got a few, few ideas above his station. And there's a wonderful article written in the local press where he claims to have got a, a five-year contract as an engineer. Because we were so impressed with his massive skills that we immediately went, signed this guy up on a five-year deal for 60 grand a year. I mean... It's not, it's, not, it's, not <laughs> you footballers, it's not footballers so you don't get contracts you know you don't have like you don't get signed up as an assistant on 60 grand a year it just doesn't happen so anyway he told this to the to the press and then it kind of escalated and there's a wonderful article all about it in the um i don't know the east anglian daily press or whatever it was and in it is a photo when I mean, it says in the photo it's ray and and myself and dan hawkins from the darkness but uh in fact me and dan aren't in the picture at all this is how good the journalism is dan's one of the most famous musicians in the country at the time and they've written that this is me and dan in this picture and which quite clearly not us it's just dog tanyan with his two university lecturers who are now under so much pressure because they've got this pupil who's signed a five-year contract on sixty grand a year, we're saying that he's the best thing ever. That um, they can't—they—they they pass him to his course when I don't think he was going to pass. <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden he did amazingly pass with top marks on top of his class because they were under so much pressure and he became like the poster boy. You walked in and it was like, almost like this massive Muriel of uh, kind of dog Tanya saying, you too could be like dog Tanya. Yeah. You two could be dog Tanya. If you come here, you can end up with this, uh, you know, massive contract. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. And it was like an, in the interview, there's loads of things saying that it was, you know, he did this and did that. And, um, yeah, none of it. None of it was true whatsoever. So, you know, got, he did maybe use a little bit of initiative there, John, but maybe maybe too maybe much initiative. Wrong, but, like, but surely, like, people would have noticed that he
0: was never at the studio.
1: Yeah. And did he go to the studio? Did he actually turn up at the studio? Yeah, he used to come. Yeah, he used to come on the sessions and he was assisting with us on work experience, you know, while doing his college course. But, you know, we definitely didn't sign him up on his five-year contract on 60 grand a year and um far as i know there was an investigation that had to take place afterwards <laughs> yeah it was uh it's very difficult then to approach that you know and and the worst thing was is then they start moonlighting because people are going well we'll get this guy who they think is the best thing ever on 60 grand a year to mix our tracks and he's moonlighting under the leader's farm name and then i'm getting phone calls from people angry, angry mothers, you've mixed my son's tracks. You charge this much money. It sounds terrible. You haven't, they haven't seen any track. And I'm going, I'm really sorry. I have no idea who you are. And they're like, my son's banned such and such. And like, nope, never heard of them. And of course you realize then they've been moonlighting under our, um banner and doing very bad work or not the doing the work taking money and it, and it reflects on us so all those people are then saying well we went to that studio and the work was really bad and we didn't get our thing and they charge us this when we didn't so that's the downside of doing something like that is how that reflects if you're not a good producer and engineer yet and you start saying you are and then you start moonlighting and without like the studio knowing anything about it, it comes back because we got angry complaints and we had to kind of deal with all that stuff then. Yeah, and there's, you know, we could, we could go up great, great stories. I mean, one of our, you know, we had Andy Bell, who was our first Leaders Farm Assistant and what a legend he is. Um, and has gone on to become like Folk Producer of the Year and produce many folk albums of the year, win win awards as Folk Albums of the Year. Um, fantastic guy, fantastic producer, engineer. He really helped us get that business off the ground because he was already a, a proper engineer really and he had something about him and everybody loved him um before that we had our very first leaders farm assistant who was a young lad called Asa who you'd have Asa on a session in the heartbeat just because he was he was so funny you never knew what he was going to come out with I mean from a technical aspect never in a million years <laughs> you know mm. but uh what what a legend to have around! I mean, some of his sayings that he came out with are still legendary in in our world. You know, <laughs> you know, you could you could tell him anything, bless him. But there's moments that'll just stay with me forever. It was just so you know, it was like, yeah, he's not the best assistant in the world, but we have gotta have him around. You can't you can't not have this guy around because he's so brilliant to have around. You know, moments when you could convince him he was hypnotized or whatever, and just uh, and so he'd be going around all day, thinking he was hypnotized. <laughs> You know, uh, and then uh, and then you'd ask him to go up a ladder, and, he's, and he wouldn't. He's like, I can't go up a ladder. I'm hypnotised. I can't go up there. Um, yeah, so brilliant. Say he came out with so well, many. It's still like drinking say- and driving, anyways. really, isn't it? Yeah, and he probably still doesn't know to this day that Brian Adams wasn't asleep in the cottage room when he was there one day because he loved Brian Adams, and so we told him that Brian Adams was there after his uh, after his concert. He had nowhere to stay, so he rang us up and said, "Can I stay with you?" And then it was terrible, you know. So there was so we tell him Brian Adams is there, but we tell him you can't go near the cottage because he's sleeping. And you, you didn't. Be quiet. We, you know, we stayed out, had a few beers. You can't, so don't go near there. And he's he's on gardening duties that day. So he's like, right, right. I won't go near there. So no, no garden near there. And you see him slowly work his way around from one side of the garden till he's right outside the window, all of a sudden paying far too much attention to the shrubbery outside the cottage window, trying to get a peek in so he can get a look. And he comes in. I think I saw him. I think he's up. He's up. I just saw him walk past the window. I know, I know I shouldn't have been over there, but the shrubs really needed doing over there. And he's like, oh, you saw him, did you? He's up. And then uh, we sent him off to the shop. (laughs) <laughs> to get something and he comes back and he goes is he up yet and he was like yeah he just came and had breakfast with us I've all he's you. gone now he had to shoot off his car came He's like, i can't believe i've missed him and uh, he probably doesn't know to this day that brian adams was not asleep in there he was just brilliant to have around on sessions but uh, yeah they're kind of ace of stories are legendary
0: I suppose like the positive energy and stuff as well like if
1: it, you know if there's like a good vibe or like there's a good energy
0: to it you want to have them around whereas as you were saying when there's someone like maybe a bit down
1: kind of bring the yeah. Down. yeah I mean he, he went on to have a great career became an electrician in the end and did really well big projects did really well for himself so you know because because he 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 could He could learn, he would take things in, he was you know paying attention, maybe it wasn't suited to him as a producer engineer, but you'd have him around and in that in that environment, like a tradesman environment as well, where the camaraderie getting on with people's really important you you yeah. knew he'd fit into any environment you know there'd always be banter because he'd always come out with some absolute classics. But he'd fit into that kind of world, you know, as well. So, yeah, he, he you know, he went on to do well for himself as well. I think, I think as you said about um, the students who come through from
0: university and I think may not be at the level that they think they are sometimes or they think they're producers. Yeah. I think once or twice I was like, when you, when they kind of come in or like they kind of come to help out, it's like, look, just back me up on anything that I say. And like, in terms of don't try jumping over sto-
1: toes or stuff, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's really awkward when, you know, the band don't don't know this person and it's a bit, you know, there's been a bit of stress, a bit of tension going on for a little while and then somebody new comes into the room and within five minutes of the guitar player not getting a thing, someone asking, oh, pass us that guitar, I can show you how to do that or why don't you do it like this or that sounds just like so-and-so. So the last like thing anyone oh, wants to hear. Anyone wants to hear when they're going through hell, you know? um yeah it sounds exactly like this song yeah yeah i know you know or or touching or huffing when they haven't when they're on like take 17 and like oh, you know is he always like this his <laughs> comments like that and it does happen but yeah i think you've got to assume that you know you know nothing you know you've been okay you've been to to uni technically yes you're a producer and an engineer because you finished your course you're you're qualified in it you do produce tracks for yourself you do engineer tracks for yourself but you're you're essentially a bedroom producer stroke engineer at that point not a studio one because you haven't had the experience of working in a studio so you have to come into the studio just and just assume you know nothing because if you come in with the preconceptions that you're just going to start producing these records with these, there's so much more that it takes to produce an engineer a record, and guide different people through the process. You mm. assume you know nothing and just try and fit in. The technical knowledge comes in handy, but it's almost like a, you know, an added bonus that you you call on if if needed. I suppose
0: there would be. I suppose there would be a lot more assistants and engineers if everyone was on sixty grand a year in a training. Yeah,
1: role. yeah. You know, <laughs> I think would, budgets and,
0: might be a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's not because anyone wants everyone to work for free. That's not, that's not the case. It's because there's no budgets on the sessions. We're all hammered on our budgets. You know, the studios are expensive. We work a lot of hours. Most of the time, the budget for an assistant has to come out of our own money. You can't get the money from a label for an assistant. If we could, we would, and it would go to the assistant. So you can offer accommodation, food, expenses, and maybe a little bit of money on top. So you have to be prepared. It's either you it's either you spend years scratching around trying to get your foot through a door of a studio and never getting anywhere or trying to learn the business but never working with people who actually are in the business or you go, right, you can sacrifice this. I can f- figure a way, a way I can support myself. This is my foot through the door. This is my way into the industry for what I do now for the next year or 18 months of not earning any money. But at the end of it, I am a producer and engineer. I have experience working in other studios. I've met lots of other producers and engineers, managers, artists, record companies. So, you know, you, that's the only way and the best way. And you've learned how, how to be on a session so that when you start doing it, you know, the situations that arise, you know, how to deal with them, you know, how to work with a band, you know, how to, um, get the, the best out of them. And we've all had to do it. You know, I was. You know, 29 pounds a week, hundred hour weeks, 29 pence an hour, but I I might as well have been nothing. I'd still have done it for nothing, but it was where else, where else was better to be in the nineties than Rockfield where else was to learn other than with the producers that were coming through that studio at the time and the engineers, that's how I became a producer and engineer, just working those hours, put the effort in being in a place that was full of great bands, great producers, great engineers. And Rockford had great assistance so I could kind of watch them as well. Step, step um, your way up, yeah. Yeah. And it gives you confidence and then you, you, you the experience. And then you're so confident then when you go to another studio and it's maybe a desk you haven't used before and a room you don't know, you're kind of a bit more confident of working in another environment. And that's another great thing when you come work with people like us is we don't just work in one studio, we work in several. So you get to learn yeah. about different studios and the quirks of different studios and how d- different desks work and how to make up a kit if it's in a dead room or a big live room. So all these things, I mean, it's it's still the best route into the industry. All the ones that have come through us will tell you that, um, Josh Tyrrell, they're so talented, they'll go on to do something anyway. But maybe it just sped up the process a little bit or it helped them on their journey, you know, that little bit more. But the others who maybe had to work a bit harder at it, but still went on to become... Um, great engineers and producers maybe you know, fast track them and got their foot through that door and once that's on your CV you can go into other studios and you can get jobs at other studios once you've got places like Rockfield and the big producers that go there on your CV and working with us working with big bands and things like that that's on your CV you're away yeah I suppose that
0: leads nicely to the fact that we have a production workshop coming up in Leaders Vale I can't on the website address now <laughs> I think it's sessionrecord.com forward slash Leaders Vale which is a three day session in April and it is literally just like an opportunity. We were limited to eight people and it is just like an opportunity just to talk about recording, production approaches and mixing approaches as well. And it's really just to focus, to help people who are maybe starting out and help train us towards approaching for recording.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great few days. Obviously we're going to go through, well, cover everything that the, the people who attended want to cover, but also our experiences. I'm talking more about your route into the industry as well if that's what you're after as well as you know covering everything not just production not just engineering if you want to get a job in a studio and maybe we'll find new assistants that can come and work with us um, on these things as well and also experienced producers and engineers who maybe have only ever made records for themselves in their own home studios who want to come and Find out what it's like to, with other engineers and other producers and other artists, and get experience so they can branch out of their own studios and maybe yeah. go and work with other people. So yeah, it's open to kind of people of all levels, um, people of all stages of their career. Um, we'll be covering a lot in the three days. It's going to be yeah, going to be a good three days. Thanks again, Nick.
0: Um, I think that almost covers everything. Thanks I'm again for off watching, to, listening. Uh, afternoon tea. Oh, lush. Spanish afternoon tea.
1: I'm off to an afternoon tea. So Spanish afternoon. Well, it's English. It's English afternoon tea in a Spanish school. So uh, oh, it's at the kids' school. So we're going for afternoon tea. They're doing an English afternoon tea, or British, I should say.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: enjoy. I'd love the family,
0: and I'll see you yeah, again. I will. Thanks, John. The oh, next one. <laughs>